You're listening to the Influential Conversations podcast with the property management coach and industry influence of the year, Kirk Stafford and guests. This series is proudly brought to you by Tappy, an Australian first platform delivering the total property care solution to help property managers provide a world-class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and to save them processing time on this maintenance. In Inspection Express, the market leader in property inspection reporting and a digital signature platform to provide all your property documentation in one place, giving you a seamless approach to the way you manage properties. And Agent Dynamics, the Australian market leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow and retain your property teams since 2014. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stafford. Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of Influential Conversations. Um, and this week, my guest is the amazing and incredibly effervescent Elizabeth Hood from <laughs> Rockhampton, from Elite Property Services. Elite, Elite Real Estate. Elite yeah. Real Estate. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Elizabeth, really quick bio on you. You've been in business for 15 years. Seven in business, but 22 in real estate. 22 in real estate, all up. Okay, well, I got the seven. That's yeah. what I did. I took the seven off the. Yeah, that's 22. it. <laughs> At least my maths is working. Seven staff, that's that's in, in seven years, you know, two offices, yeah. 450 properties under management, three property managers, three amazing young women that you mother that are yours, plus another that you have adopted, I think, over the last 12 yeah. months or so. All of them around uh, their teens, plus mm-hmm. your business. You you are, I think, the quintessential cat herder. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way of putting it, Kirk. <laughs> it is. I mean, you, you're juggling so many things, really. When you think about it, you've got parenthood, yeah. you've got the businesses, you've got staff, yeah. you've got mm-hmm. personalities, you've got your own life to manage as well. That's that, that, yeah. that, that's a heavy for anyone. It doesn't matter whether you're Male, female, in a couple's relationship or, or single, that's just a bloody big load. Tell us your story. Yeah. First, how do you come into real estate? What, what, how did you manage to land in this, this industry that we all find incredibly addictive once we've been in it? It's a bit of a drug, isn't it? It was, yeah, it was by chance, um, Kirk. It was definitely something that I didn't plan. I'd never really thought, I guess, real estate. At the time, I was working as a contractor to a government um, agency and um, my contract had run out and being newly um, uh, married and needing, I guess, a job, I just started applying for some local jobs. And, um, yeah, I was offered two at the time and two completely different industries and I just happened to choose real estate and it's really just been no looking back from there. Loved it mm-hmm. almost from day one. Yep. Yeah, well, a lot of people, and I hear the same story, and I'm probably a little bit that way as well, although my, my entry into the industry was a bit planned. But I hear a lot of people say, well, I really just fell into it. Yeah. And nobody starts at the top, nobody starts in the middle. What was your first job? What did you do first? I was a receptionist, and I was one of two receptionists. So it was a big company in our um, region, and yep. so therefore one wasn't yeah, enough. Yeah, there was two of us. Yeah, just literally start from started from the bottom, and um, mm-hmm. and I still find to this day it's one of the most important 
jobs in the industry um, and it's one of the most I guess yeah it's key to learn everything I guess about the industry you hear and see everything from the front don't you so yeah, that's right and, and I've always had that view even 20 20 plus years ago when I first started yeah. running offices on a large scale uh, I, I had the, the very firm view that the, the most critical role in the office yeah was that front of house role was the receptionist role because you are always the first point of contact and you've got to have, and, and the, the volume that you get as companies grow, the volume of that yeah. contact only increases yeah. exponentially. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're the face of the business when you're at the front. And um, I think people, it's a very underrated job because working in that position, even now I love sitting on the front every now and again, you know, just to, I guess, get a re glimpse of how it is. But, you know, the rapport you build with, you know, owners and tenants and tradies every day yeah. is just like, I think people, take it for granted I think it's a gift yep that's right they do and and I think and this is one thing that I used to remind my teams of was that for every call that that team gets individually that that has come through has been channeled through a central point and that central point is your reception staff doesn't matter if it's one or two or 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 what it is it's that's the funnel so if they if, if if the person receiving the call thinks they're busy Spare a yeah. thought for the person who's answering the call when it first comes into the office and then all the other things that they're dealing with in their day as well. Exactly. And like you've only, and you've only got, I know this happened to me recently, like you've only got to lose your receptionist to realise how they're like the oil that just keeps everything rolling. You know, we can't mm. be the best versions of ourselves and, and doing our jobs to the best of our ability when we don't have them. So, yeah, yeah definitely it was um, it was a, a, a very big challenge at the time because it was a much bigger like company. But, yeah, it was um, definitely something that gave me a taste for wanting to obviously grow in the industry for sure. Well, it can't have been too bad a taste because you've obviously gone on. Where, where did you go from there? Was it into property management, into sales, into admin? Where did you go from, from reception? Yeah, so I was a property management administrator next and so mm-hmm. I was basically the support person to two property managers and um, and then I went away and had a, one of my babies and uh, my first child and I was only gone actually 10 weeks so I was quite, yeah, not a long time at all and I got the phone call from the boss to say would I consider coming back and taking a portfolio on. So I was like, oh, yeah, anyway, no experience, no nothing. Like obviously I'd just done the administration side of the job but never left the office. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I was throwing a property at the time. We used to manage 180 to 190 properties. Like that was the average. And, yep. you know, I just can't get over how different the industry's changed over the years. I know there's a lot more legislati- legislation in place. But saying that, I used to hand type up all my Word documents, addresses, mm-hmm. everything, you know, sitting at my desk typing up all my work, folding the letters. So, you know, things have definitely improved over time. But um, I think, yeah, it's definitely a different oh, industry. Yeah, it's greatly different. I mean, we, we've got technology that takes a lot of that that load on for us, and we, yeah. when we don't have tech, we've got the possibilities, and, and they are becoming more and more prevalent. And that's the, the, the our outsourced service to do all that that yeah. back end stuff. But I think people's yeah. expectations of us have changed greatly as well. But in terms of particularly our service levels of our response times, uh, and you said before the legislation, what have you, so the the knowledge that we're expected to uh, assimilate is is, yeah. is so much greater as well. So the, the the pressure that's on the on the property manager is certainly not diminished with the amount of technology that's around. I think we spend a fair no. amount of time managing that. 
I think the expectations have actually increased, Kirk, um, and as a principal now watching my stuff as well, like I think there's definitely more pressures rather than less. And I know through the COVID um, process, obviously, working remotely has become more widely accepted, which has been a, um, a great benefit to the industry. But then saying that, I think it comes with a negative sort of twist to that, because I think clients are expecting more and more that you're the agent is going to respond night or day um kids or no kids like it's becoming where there's not a just your day job and you you get your time out i think yeah yeah, because we're always working from wherever we are remotely clients get very upset when they yeah when you're not matching Mm. that same energy or like night or day yep that's right it's it's, it it really has blurred those boundaries i noticed that in the first the, the first national lockdown i mean obviously our southerners had a fair few more of those but it, it got to the point where people, and I was getting people saying to me, well, you know, they just don't seem to care that, you know, this is my time. Yeah. You say, yeah. well, you work from home, you're at home, you know, I'll pick up the phone yeah. to you, whatever time suits. We've got to, I think, sort of start to define those boundaries between home life and a work life a little bit yeah. more clearly when, when we work. And I've, I've got a couple of ways that I do that with, with some of my consulting clients, but it's still it's a matter of managing the expectation of, of the client but also of the team members themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And it is an industry where it is very easy to burn out mm-hmm. uh, because the brain doesn't turn off. Um, and, you know, like some personalities, I guess, takes that all in their stride. Like that's something that I guess they get a high out of, um, yeah. myself included. But I guess more often than not, it, it can lead to burnout very quickly. So it is yeah. still important to the to the agent, whatever job they're in, I think, yeah. mm-hmm. to learn to, to time manage. Yeah. How do you manage that with your team? You're, because I, I know that now you're straddling two offices, Rockhampton and Moora, um, and you've got, t- you've got staff in both offices. How do you manage so they don't falter and in, in fall into that, that burnout stage? Well, I watch energy a lot. I think energy never lies. So I try to nip things in the bud before they get to burnout point. Um, every now and again, obviously, it does surprise you. But more often than not, I, I, I feel like I do notice things um I do let my staff take the time off they need to take off for the sports days for their kids or you know the things that are actually important in their life I try not to ever say no if we can manage it we take it all in our stride and we're a team I do um have a big emphasis on team culture in our business um Mm -hmm. we cross manage each other's jobs if we have to but um yeah look I personally I'm up at 5am in the morning I love it I'm in the office by six and I get a full day's work done between six and nine every day like it's just crazy without the interruption what I get done so it's kind of nice because at 9am I've done a lot for the day and it it frees up the day for me to then navigate you know sitting alongside a staff member providing more training going out and growing the business so yeah it's definitely changed my life changing my personal schedule and then that way I can be free a little bit more if I do need to as I said absorb some of that if a staff member does have a kid sick or yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. we do try and help each other a little bit. Yeah, well, it's, it's yeah, and, and that's that's a really good forward way of looking at it because once you've got away from the interruptions, it's really amazing how much work you can actually get done. And yeah. I, I talk to a lot of people, and they, they say, "Oh, look, I can never get anything done. I'm all over the place." I said, "Well, you know, set yourself up a, a schedule in your day, and you know, get yeah. away from this thing, get away from the mobile, you know, put it away." Yeah, Just, yeah, yeah. Put it somewhere where you, where you can't see it, says Kirk, putting his way. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but it is that. I mean, that's – and I used to – I had a friend of mine who used to call it my electronic leash yeah. because wherever I was, I had my phone on me and we've yeah. got to move away from that. And there's almost a, 
I think there's a dependency, and it's not a badge of honour to say that I'm always available. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a quick way to burn out, as you said. Yeah. And I used to be the worst. So my notifications on my emails on my phone used to be on, and every time I'd see it being, I'd feel like I had to respond immediately. I only open my emails twice a day now. So, yep. um, yeah, I, and I don't even look in between. I'm hoping that if it's an emergency, someone would ring me or the staff would tell me. But um, it's interesting because I worked 10 years straight working every single night of the week um, and mm-hmm. we're talking late hours, long hours, and the only time I wouldn't is if I had an event on and there's um, more times than not I'd come home at the end of that event and then work, if you know what I mean, right. till whatever time of the day. So it was only last year, so after 10 years of doing that, um, last year, actually at Eric, I had a revelation, you know, if something has to change, you've got to change something. And that's when I trialled the getting up at 5am and going straight to the office at six and doing the six to the nine time slot when no one was there. I have never worked another night ever. So like, it's just crazy how the hours in my day are actually less I mm-hmm. haven't changed, um, I guess, my roles. I've just changed when I, like my time management, my focus, um, yeah. And so now I go home and I can literally, I've done everything that I need to do for the day by 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. So to me, yeah. it, it's literally changed my life. Yeah, no one wants to get up at 5 a.m. and go straight into work, but I couldn't do it any other way now mm-hmm. because it's gotten my evenings back. Yep, that's right. And, and I completely get that and yes you're right nobody does want to get up at five o'clock in the morning particularly if you're in in melbourne <laughs> and the other thing, this is the other thing i realized when i used to work at night time like everyone would match my energy because everyone's sitting on the couch you know so if i'm emailing them they're emailing back me back instantly so we're having these like back and forward conversations and then everything was multiplied whereas at five in the morning no one's emailing me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I just get all the work done. And then move on. Yeah, exactly. So mm. And so, yeah, that's the same. I don't then constantly check my phone all during the day. Mm. It's like I've got my designated time twice a day to do the yeah. emails. Well, it, sound, it sounds like you're one of the, well, I wouldn't say the rare people, but one of the few people uh, who actually has found that formula where yeah. you've got that, that blending, and I, I, people keep saying work-life balance. It's not. It's always a blend where you can blend your work life with your personal life, finish at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock yeah. at night. Yes, you may have done 12 hours, but you finish finished yeah. then present for the things that you want to be doing with yeah. the girls, with your friends, your, your gym work. I know I've seen all the, yeah. the, the photos of your gym work, and I'm just going, oh, now you're making me feel lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like the one thing on my day that is my checkout time is, but it's still working. It's just a men- more mm. of a mental, yeah, release, yep. I guess, going to the yep. gym. That's mm. right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So what do you think, yep. I mean, after 22 years, I mean, look, we, we all find you know, we we get to the point where we know what the job is, but yep. what are the bits about it that you really, really like? Where are the Where do you get your joy in the job? I love new business. Um, mm-hmm. like business growth mm-hmm. I love helping investors find you know a good property seeing um, assisting them with you know the things that they can do um, to convert it um, from how it is when they buy it to, re- to creating a great return so basically seeing the potential in a property um, and then giving them advice as to you know where they can spend five ten or fifteen grand and seeing 
yeah, the turnover of, yeah. of results yeah. on those properties. So yeah. I guess basically providing more of a guidance advisory service to investors mm. that are not local. So they are appreciated as well because they're not on the ground. Um, and then, yeah, just helping them choose a property, helping them get those great results and, and obviously facilitating marketing and renting properties and results. And I love all that. I get a high out of it for sure. Yep. Yep. So it, it's really finding that value and, and improving the value for the client in what you do. Yep. Yeah, because it's amazing how like if you can just spend you know a thousand here or fourth you know just a, a just a little bit doesn't have to be huge amounts of money. It's just it's adding the love to properties, Kirk. You know, so many people like rental properties stay feeling like they're rental properties because you know no one's going to take the time to say or be innovative as a property manager and say, hey, have you thought to put in modern blinds? It'll cost you two thousand dollars, but it's going to con- you know, transform the look of this property. You know, it's just making a property not feel like a rental anymore, making it feel like it's that, yeah, it adds the love, I guess, and, and yeah, makes those right. results. Yeah, and, and it makes, you talk about it adding the love, but it certainly adds the love to the property as well. I mean, all of us have walked into, in, into houses or flats or, or apartments, whatever, <clears throat> yeah. and, um, and think, yeah, this is a rental because you just, there's, there's nothing inside it that's warm. That's correct, yeah. It's just had a lack of, yeah, lack of care for for too long. And, I mean, I like seeing potential in properties. I treat, I see them literally like, what would I do if I bought this property? Um, and I often give um, owners like a, I break down a list of, yeah, sh- short, mid and long-term goals as to what you might like to achieve depending on how much you want to, how far you want to yeah. go. And they love it. They appreciate it because they're not getting a lot of that feedback from a lot of other agencies, like just going that, that bit of yep. extra that that bit of creativity and that bit of proactive advice and thinking that's going to stand them in instead long term really because once you once you've done that work once the you know you talk about modern blinds once the blinds are in well they don't have to worry about them for you know upwards of eight or ten years depending on, on how they how they stand the weather yeah i think you know a lot of property managers fall into a trap of I don't know, just doing the bare basics that they can do when they turn up at a property, you know. They just do their job. They don't think outside the box. They leave. And, you know, sometimes there's nothing wrong that they've done. It's just, you know, if you just did added that extra value and that extra care factor, it just completely transforms and changes the client relationship that you've got with them. Like it builds a trust um, because it shows them, look, if I was in your shoes, this is what I'd do. You know, and it might cost you two thousand dollars or four thousand or whatever, but this is what you're gonna get out of it. And they just love it. That's so right. yeah. Yeah. what what do you think that is? What do you, what do you think that the and, and this is this isn't a criticism of anyone at all, but I've I've been in the same situation where I've walked in, walked out, and not really thought. Yeah. And then you go back later and you think, actually, yeah, you know, if we did this, this and this, but it's you know, by then the moment may have gone. Why do you think there is that? Um, mindset where you just walk in, walk out. Don't worry about making any recommendations. Where do you where do you think that comes from? I think it's a time management. Mm. Um, uh, it stems from time management. I think um, a lot of people are very reactive in their job because they don't. Yeah, they can't forecast the future. Like they're too busy thinking about the next one hundred emails they've got to respond to or whatever. So they're there just to do the basics, do the job, rush out. Yeah. Um, whereas I think if they took that little bit of extra time and care factor, mm-hmm. yeah, I think. I'm all about creating clients for life, Kirk. So, you know, like if you as a client told me that you just wanted me for six months because until the better deal came along, I'd be like, I'm I'm not a good fit for you. You know, yeah. like I'd rather work with customers and clients that um, 
yeah, really see the value, know the service we deliver, um, and yeah, long term clients. Unless of course they want to sell or whatever. But yeah, I'm not all about putting people offside. I want to do the best we can do to add value for them. Yeah, that's right. And I think and I think most of us really want that sort of relationship, but it can be difficult to to, to create. And it comes down to firstly having that relationship of trust. And yes. I know I've talked about this before that you've got to, that takes yeah. some work to build up, and it, it, that that comes with its own challenges as well because you you always got people who think they they may know better or they've got their own view, whatever it is, and until you prove yourself, that can be a difficult thing to create. It can be a, a, a difficult sort of shell to break through with some people. What have you found the challenging aspects of the job? Again, I don't know what it's going to come down. It's going to come down to people. Uh, yeah, obviously. Well, staff's always like a challenge because that was a big learning curve, obviously, when I opened my business. It was very easy for me to obviously just look after me and know the expectations and levels I'd set for myself. So that was, I guess, you know, relatively easy. I think personally my biggest challenge early in my business journey was over-servicing clients and it sounds stupid but it was a very big problem for me because I was so um, at the time yeah, passionate I should say about you know delivering um, you know such a high level of service but it wasn't about that it was about I guess feeling like yeah I had no time management very like as in family life balance because my emails would come on as I said like I'd feel like I had to respond within five seconds or Sunday I'd be out meeting them or midnight I'd be responding to them if they responded. And then the second that I thought, you know what, I'm going to put some boundaries in place and it might take me 12 hours to respond to you, they oh, I lost some clients over it. They said, you're hot and cold. You're all hot. And then now and I'm like, mate, I, took, I responded to you within 24 hours. Oh, but that's not what you used to do. And I was just, I was just flabbergasted because I'd never done anything wrong by these clients. So mm-hmm. it was really good for me to understand that sometimes in life we can overservice our clients, you know, because we've set a very, and that not only that, I was setting these crazy high expectations of standards for my staff too, because they'd got this from Elizabeth for so long. And mm-hmm. I never expected my staff to work those hours. So I was happy to, but I didn't. But then that's what the, that's what the clients expect because they wanted yep. the same service I was giving them. So that was then, yeah, a lesson for me to learn how to just step back, obviously educate clients on our response delivery timeframes. You know, when I said emails at night, I'd obviously schedule my um, deliveries and all of that. So that was a big lesson for me because I just couldn't believe I was losing managements just because I'd over-service. But it is very real, very realistic. And um, I listened actually to an accountant just recently and she said she was doing that too and she had to learn the lesson. But she said, we've got to let our customers feel like we have all the time in the world for them. And mm-hmm. she said, often when we're sending them emails at 11 o'clock at night, you send a subconscious message that says, basically, my life's in chaos. And um, this is the only time I have to reply to you. So I thought that makes kind of sense. So now, yeah, yeah. I can yeah, I, I can see that because you, it would because you know, you, you're, you're setting an expectation that you're available, 20, no matter yeah. what time of the day or night. And, yeah. and it's very, email, very easy for emails to then become text messages and then to become phone calls. Yeah. At times it is actually when we're actually not on the clock, so to speak. Yeah. Because yeah. we're not we're not automatons. We're we're not we're not a chatbot sitting on our on our webpage. We're a real yeah. person with 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 a real life outside of the work. Because the work yeah. well we've we've allowed it to, but it shouldn't define who we are. Yeah, yeah. But it's having those boundaries that really makes it um, 
makes it vital for us to to, to be able to you know, work at, at an optimal level, but still have a good balance with with our, with our personal life. Because if if we're all all work, well, we've got no balance. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and I think that was one thing on a personal scale I had. I learned in the earlier days too is, you know, like when I'm with a client, I have a rule. I won't look at my phone um, at all. So it's on silent. It's off. I don't even know what's going on. And it could be um, things happening with, yeah, my kids, my personal life. And I wouldn't know because I try to give that client that one-on-one respect and make them feel like, you know, I'm giving them them one undivided attention. But then I was like, why am I not doing the same when I'm at home? You know, like my, my family have to wait when I'm with a client why am I not making my clients wait when I'm with my family? So that's where I think it's really important and I'm still trying to learn. It's definitely harder the other way, I think, because we kind of take our family sometimes for granted. But, yeah, that's kind of what made me feel like, well, why do we do it? Why do we give almost more of ourselves to people that are strangers? Well, not strangers, but you know what I mean? They're not, I guess, in our everyday life. And um, so, yeah, I've had to learn to sort of set segments of time anyway when Mm -hmm. I'm... And I think that's only fair that we do uh, sequester yeah. off periods of time that are, you know, do not disturb times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I encourage anyone who comes to any of my sessions on time management that, you know, your, your phone goes to silent at 6 o'clock at night or you don't look at your emails like you do. Yeah, you look at your emails twice, yeah. twice a day. That's it. You don't need yeah. to look at them more than that. Because, no. if, yeah, if it is urgent, they will call. That's or right. someone yeah. will find some way of, of, of getting to you. But yeah. in terms of, I mean, look, we, we've talked about challenges of work, but when you yeah. when you get challenged from at a personal level, when there's something internal that's challenging, how do you, and this it can be work-related in this regard, how do you overcome that? Where do you go to get your inspiration and your influence when things start to get a bit tough and you, you know, you, you may be feeling a bit flat? Yeah, good question, Kirk. Um, look, the answer I probably would have given you, you know, five or seven years ago is probably a different answer from today. I think in life we do evolve and we become stronger. And um, and I'm lucky to say these days that less bothers me touch wood um than what it used to because I think we do become more resilient in business and like the bigger challenges that we guess and I I've obviously had a fair bit of them through both personal and business over the years and now juggling four teenage kids as well so look I've got probably three very very I don't have a lot of friends but I've got the three that few that I've got I'm very close with so I'm lucky in the sense that I do go and sort of yeah have a little chat with them and just get I guess a fresh set of eyes on a situation or a bit of calming um, inspiration but um, I am very self-motivated Kirk I don't need I'm very I believe once someone told me I read um, an article about seven years ago and it said 86% of our subconscious brain automatically filters um, thoughts through a negative lens so unless we are actively feeding our brain the right content Mm -hmm. we will automatically filter whatever we receive during our day through a negative um, lens So it's a bit like going to the gym. It's about what muscle we're exercising. So I actively start my day every day proactively and positively. And Mm -hmm. I kind of feel because of the way I set my day right and what I listen to, I listen to podcasts every morning, I I read books. I feel like it reduces the percentage of stress and I guess those feelings of flat, um, you know, vibes. and Because I think we're already on the forefront. We've already decided to be... um, you know, not reactive 
to be very mm-hmm. proactive. So, look, it's rare for me these days because I am so proactive in that sense. But when I do, yeah, I read, Kirk, I'll go and find a quiet spot and just, even if it's a chapter, a chapter mm-hmm. of a book, go to the gym or, yeah, ring ring a coach in the, ring a, yeah, someone in the industry that has had a bit more experience than me and, yeah, yeah and just, I guess, see what their perspective is. Great, yeah. That's and, and there are some really, really good hints in there too for others that are listening to us, because yeah, you know, it's it, it, it you need a multifaceted approach. But the one thing, and uh, it's probably something for us to finish up on because we've been going for a little while here now, Elizabeth. I don't want to take up too much of your yeah. time. But the the yeah. one thing that that I've found that most high functioning or high performing people have in their lives is a good group of people around them. And as you said, look, you, yeah. you don't and you don't have to have you know, a, a, a room full of people. You don't have to have cast of thousands of people as your support. But if you've got some really good tight friends that you can go to or advisors that you can you can contact that yeah. when you've got a situation that challenges you, it comes down to that the the power of that community and that tribe in most yeah. people's lives that actually helps them through. And that's that's something that I've noticed through the entire first series and now into this series of the podcast that yeah. everyone I've spoken to I think has said the same thing. So it's a, it's a really, really relevant point and I thank you for bringing it up. No, that's right. And I am lucky back in the early days, um, you know, on the speaking tour too, I did meet, you know, a few of those influential people in the industry and they did play a very influential part in my earlier days in business. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think I'd be who I was today you know, without them taking my calls and, you know, the time that they've invested in me. And, yeah, it's very important, I think, to get at least one coach or a few close people around you to keep your balance. <laughs> well, as balanced as we can be in this industry. <laughs> you can go a bit crazy, but. <laughs> I remember a night that uh, it was uh, down here in Melbourne, you and Dennis and myself and, there were a couple yeah. of us that were with us. I think we were all on the coffees at about 11 o'clock at night. I don't think I slept for two days. So. It, was, it was delicious, I remember. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't coffee, I'm sorry, and Dennis will tell you this. It was the we affogatos had, that we were yeah, on. Yeah, it was But didn't we have like um, Italian or something before then or um, Tipanaki or something? Something like that. It was in the CBD in Melbourne. I know yeah. it was. I had a photo of Dennis in front of one of the churches there and we were surprised the place didn't fall down. Anyway, look, that's a story for another time. We've gone I know, off. It sure is. <laughs> Thank you. I am so deeply appreciative of your time and, and so grateful that you, that you uh, took the opportunity to come onto the show with me. Elizabeth Hood, Elite Property Services or Elite Real Estate, sorry, from, from Rockhampton and Mara. Thank you so much for being part of this. It has been an absolute delight. And I look forward to talking to you again more away from podcasts in the very, very (laughs) near (laughs) future. Thank you, Kirk. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to another podcast in the Influential Conversations series. This series is proudly brought to you by Tappy, helping property managers deliver a world-class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and providing a total property care solution. Inspection Express, the market leader in property inspection reporting and digital signature property documentation, giving you a seamless approach to the way that you manage properties. And Agent Dynamics, the Australian market leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow and retain your property teams since 2014. 
Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next time for the next in this series.